Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. So if you don't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to Psalm 51. Psalm 51. And in Psalm 51, we've been walking through this psalm. It's the psalm of David getting right with God once again. And we're just walking through this psalm just bit by bit hitting these principles and watching as there is a way back to God, that it doesn't matter what we have done against God, that God is willing to take us back if we're willing to come back to Him. And in Psalm 51, we see that this is David's prayer of him returning back to God. And so what we've been doing is reading through this whole psalm and then going back and highlighting where we're currently at. And so if you don't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to Psalm 51. Psalm 51, and let's start together in verse number 1. Psalm 51 and verse 1. The Word of God says this, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mayest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom." Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltness, O God, that thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else I would give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, thou will not despise. Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion, Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offerings and whole burnt offering. Then shall they offer bullocks upon thy altar. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, mark a phrase that we find in Psalm 51. Psalm 51 and verse 4, notice the phrase, Against thee, thee only, have I sinned. Against thee, 
Thee only have I sinned. And with this, we see the principle here. My sin against God. My sin against God. Notice as it goes on, it says, my sin. We all know that it's much easier to confess someone else's sin. It's very easy to point out someone else's sin and say what they're doing wrong and confess, hey, that's sin, they're doing wrong, they messed up. It's a lot harder for us to admit that it is my sin, my sin. I did something wrong. I failed. I'm not right. According, attempting to justify sin is an attempt to remove our accountability to God because our accountability or our sin is always against God. It is always against God. Someone will, may say this. Well, it's not hurting anybody. No, 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 no. It's against God. Well, we're two consenting adults. No, 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 no. There's another person involved. It's against God. All sin is against God. Someone says, well, it's a, it's a uh, victimless crime. No, 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 no. That's because we have a wrong view of sin. All sin is against God. All sin is against God. Think about Adam and Eve. They're in the Garden of Eden. They're walking with God. They're having a good time. But there's one rule in the garden that thou shalt not eat of the tree of the knowledge of the good, uh, fruit of good and evil. That was the only rule. You can have anything that you want. Don't eat of this tree. You say, was the tree poisonous? No, it wasn't poisonous. In Genesis chapter 3, it says that when she took the fruit, she saw that, or when she saw it was good for food, she took the fruit and ate of it and then gave to her husband. There was nothing wrong with the fruit. There was nothing poisonous. Then, then why is it such a big deal that she ate of the fruit? The only thing that made it wrong is that God said it was wrong. And because she ate something that wasn't necessarily physically wrong, because she did something that was against God's rules, Adam and Eve, as a consequence, had to leave the Garden of Eden. Because they broke God's rules. It was nothing wrong against their health. It was just against what God said. All sin is against God. What makes anything wrong, by the way? Because God said it was wrong. All sin is against God. The sin that you think that you're doing that's cute and that no one knows about, it's against God. All sin is against God. Every prohibition that God has made is, excuse me, every prohibition God has made is his clear command. It's like a wall or, or partition to protect us. He says, don't go beyond that line. Once we barge through that protection, we're no longer protected. The only help that we have is in the Lord Jesus Christ. So we stay within the boundaries, we're protected, but we go beyond that, it hurts God. It's against him. Now, with that introduction, let's dive and explore this thought a little bit more. We come to the idea, the first thing here is that all sin is against God. All sin is against God. Sin is such a serious matter 
Because it is against God. We understand from Scripture that we can sin against our own bodies and against others, but it begins with our sin of God. To kind of illustrate this, hold your finger here and turn with me to the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis in chapter number 20. The book of Genesis in chapter number uh, Exodus, Exodus chapter 20, Exodus 20. As soon as I say Exodus 20, immediately in your mind, you should recall that this is dealing with the Ten Commandments. There are certain chapters of the Bible that when we say, your mind should immediately go and understand what it is. Exodus chapter 20, so we go with Genesis and then Exodus, the second book of the Bible. Exodus in chapter 20. Exodus in chapter 20, and I want you to notice with me as we read what the Bible says about the Ten Commandments, notice with me in Exodus 20 in verse number 1. Exodus 20 in verse number 1. And God spake all these words saying, notice this, I am the Lord thy God. Now notice how he preambles the Ten Commandments. He starts off and says, I'm going to give you a list of rules, but the very first thing I want you to know before I give you any of the rules is I am the Lord thy God. You understand that this puts it in context. As God gives the rest of what we call the Ten Commandments, each of those Ten Commandments should start off with a phrase, I am the Lord thy God. Notice this as we read it this way. Verse 2, I am the Lord thy God, which had brought thee out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of bondage. Notice in verse 3 is what we often call the first commandment. So we have to have that phrase, I am the Lord thy God, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Now, according to the way we said that, why should we not have any gods before him? Because I am the Lord thy God. That's the reason. Because God is God. And so if we break that commandment, it is against God and God alone. As we reach into number, uh, verse number four, that is what we often call the second commandment. We, again, we have to read it with that preamble. I am the Lord thy God. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow thyself to them nor serve them. For I am the Lord thy, for I the Lord thy God am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. <laughs> And showing mercy unto the thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Why should we not take the Lord <laughs> thy God's name in vain? Because of the preamble, I am the Lord thy God. Notice as we now hit verse number 8, which we often call the... Um, uh, sorry, verse number uh, 7, which we often call the third commandment. We go with that preamble. I am the Lord thy God. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Why should we not take God's name in vain? Because the Lord is our God. Because all sin is against him. As we now hit verse number 8, we now come to what is called the fourth commandment. I am the Lord thy God. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Think about that. Why should we honor the, the Sabbath day? Because it's a sin against God if we don't. Notice we jump down to verse number 12. I am the Lord thy God. Honor thy father and thy mother. Why should we obey our folks? Because all sin is against God. Verse number 13. I am the Lord thy God. Thou shalt not kill. 
Verse 14, I am the Lord thy God, thou shalt not commit adultery. Verse 15, I am not I am the Lord thy God, thou shalt not steal. Verse 16, I am the Lord thy God, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. I am the Lord thy God, thou shalt not covet. You understand the Ten Commandments here under, shows us clearly all sin is against God. So let's say that you decide you're going to lie to your little brother so you can get his extra Twinkie. Is that a sin against your brother or is it a sin against God? First of all, it is a sin against God. All sin is against God. So you decide you're going to twist the truth just a little bit. It is a sin against God first and foremost. I am the Lord thy God. All sin is against God. Every sin is against God because it is Him that establishes the rules. All sin is against Him. Before David ever walked on his balcony... I looked on the rooftop and saw a woman bathing and lusted after her. Something happened in his heart and his walk with God. That's what happens to all of us. If we guard our heart and our personal walk with God, then sin cannot enter in because we understand that all sin is against God. We now come to a second idea that not only is all sin against God, but we also understand the clearer our vision of God the more sensitive we will be to sin. The clearer our vision of God, the more sensitive we will be to our sin. What happened to David? He temporarily lost sight of God. He replaced God with his own sinful desires. David's difficulty was that he was far removed from God. He could not hear the voice of God because he had put things in the place of God. He was busy running a kingdom and being a king. But his heart was not panting after the Lord. You understand, it starts with our vision of God. How do we see God? May I illustrate this? Hold your finger here and turn with me to the book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah, chapter number 6. If you're in Psalms, just keep turning the other direction. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah. Isaiah, chapter 6. We're under the idea here that the clearer our vision of God is, then the more sensitive we will be to sin. Let me illustrate this in Isaiah chapter number 6. Isaiah chapter 6. Notice this, Isaiah chapter 6 and verse number 1. Isaiah 6 and verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon the throne. High and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another, said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory, and the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. In Isaiah chapter 6, 
You have the year that King Uzziah died. King Uzziah had reigned for 40 years. For a lot of people, King Uzziah was the only king that people had ever known. And now that he died, there was unknown to the future what's going to happen here, what's going to happen here. And it was in the midst of this that God revealed himself to Isaiah. And Isaiah was given a vision, a, a, a visual representation of things that were real. And he saw on the throne God. And he was high and lifted up. And it said that his train filled the temple. In the ancient world, a king would have a train, which is kind of like a cape that would follow behind him. And in the ancient world, it was considered the longer the train, the more worthy of glory and honor the king was. Well, how long was the train here? It says that he sat on the throne high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. So you can imagine in your mind that God sitting on the throne and his train that comes from behind him not only fo uh, follows behind him, but folds over, over, and over until it fills the entire temple. Can you imagine a room like this? Someone wearing a train and the train is so long that it's actually folded over and it will fill the entire building? That's how much glory and honor God is with. Not only that, above it stood seraphim. Seraphims means the burning ones. They're a very specially created angel whose job it is to, uh, to take care of God's throne room. But notice what they look like. They don't, they're not like fat little babies with diapers and a, and a halo and a, and a harp. But notice this, verse 2. And above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. So it had... Three pairs of wings with two pair, with one pair, twain, he did uh, cover his face. With twain, he covered his feet. And with twain, he'd fly. So this had six wings, three pairs. What did they do? Well, of course, we would know that one pair would allow the creature to fly. And it would fly around the, the throne room taking care of God's business. But it also had a set of wings that would cover its face. Why would they have to cover its face? The reason is, is because God is so perfect and so holy that even these perfect angels cannot look upon the face of God. Think about that. Their job is to be in God's throne room forever and ever and ever. And yet, in the presence of God, they have to have wings to cover their face because even they cannot look upon the face of God. That's how holy and perfect and righteous God really is. In fact, in all of creation, there is only one creature that is able to look upon the face of God and live. And that is redeemed man. One day when we get our perfect redeemed bodies, we'll be able to look upon God. But that's the only creature. Even these angels who are perfect, powerful angels, that if one of these angels came in this room right now, every one of us would be diving for cover because of how perfect they are. But God is even more perfect than the perfect angels, and the angels have to have their face covered. Well, we've explained two sets of wings. With twain, they did fly. With twain, they covered their, their eyes. In addition, they also had another set of wings, and this set of wings covered their feet. Why did they cover their feet? Well, the reason is, is because feet are a sign of creation. This is why Moses, when and Moses, Exodus chapter 3, when Moses saw the burning bush, and he went to the burning bush to approach it, and God said, Moses, stop. 
Take off your shoes because the ground that you're standing is holy ground. Why was that a big deal? Because it was a reminder that I was created. The feet were created. And so these angels, because they are created beings, they have feet. And in the presence of their creator, they humble themselves and cover their feet as a sign that says, you made us. We are lower than you. And these are the angels that are flying around. So you have here God who's high and lifted up. And his train filled the temple. And he has in this throne room burning ones. He specially created angels with a set of wings they fly. With a set of wings they cover their face. With a set of wings they cover their feet. In addition, what are they doing? Verse number three. And one, these angels, one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. You know, it is these same angels that are saying the very same thing in the book of Revelation chapter 4. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who is and was and is to come. Holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty, who is and was and is to come. And they're saying this over and over. And they don't get breaks. They don't get bathroom breaks. They don't sleep. They don't take vacation. For all these thousands of years, this is their only job, is that they go around the throne room of God, praising God's name and who He is, because God is worthy of that much honor, that much glory, that much praise, that these angels, day and night, without ceasing, holy, holy, Holy Lord God Almighty, who is and was and is to come. Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty, who is and was and is to come. And day and night they are saying that. And around God's throne room, praising that. Now, how are they saying that? Are they whispering it kind of like people do in our song services? Holy, holy Notice what the verse says in verse number four. And the post, that is the, uh, the pillars that hold the door. So if you can imagine the post, the pillars of the door moved at the voice of them that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. That these angels, these seraphims, these burning ones are saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who is and was and is to come. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who is and was and is to come. And they're saying it so loud and with such fervency that the whole building is shaking. And they're saying it over and over. Why? Because God is so worthy of this. Now, Isaiah is looking at all this. He's seeing God high, holy, and lifted up. And his train filled the temple. He's watching these seraphims, these burning ones, going around God's throne room. And they're praising God so loud that the building is shaking. How did Isaiah respond? Verse number five. Then said I, woe is me, for I am undone. Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. You see, because Isaiah got a 
a good glimpse of God, the correct vision of God, he realized what a sinner he was. He was a preacher. And yet he realized, I'm a sinner, I'm a nobody. You know, the clearer our vision of God, the more sensitive to sin we are. The more that little sins bother you. People who grow closer with the Lord, they'll find this. That sins that didn't used to bother them before, now bother them quite a bit. That's part of growing closer to the Lord. Someone who says, well, that sin just doesn't bother me to more. I, I guess I'm just kind of desensitized to it. No, it's because you don't have a clear vision of God. Because you're not looking at who God is. If sin doesn't bother you, the problem is not sin. The problem is that you have not looking at God. You don't have a right vision of God. The right vision of God makes us more sensitive to sin. You understand all sin is against God. And the more that you see how holy and perfect and lovely and loving he is. And what a great wonderful God. And what a righteous God he is. And a holy God he is. The more that you see sin is awful. Because all sin is against God. And you cannot keep your eyes on a perfect God. And continue to sin. And get away with it. Because all sin is against God. All sin is against God. When we neglect our own personal walk with God, hurry becomes the scourge of our life. When we don't have time for the Lord because we're too busy, we're dangerously near to wrecking and ruining our lives and the lives around us. We have to take time to keep God in our eyes. You understand, anyone's capable of anything at any time. And before someone has a public fall, it starts with a private failing. Before someone publicly runs away in sin, it starts with their own personal walk with God. Once somebody is no longer walking with God, then sin doesn't seem as awful anymore. When someone's not looking at God and how wonderful he is, the more that sin doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal. You understand, how do we fix someone who has a sin problem? Well, we don't tackle the sin. The problem is that they don't have the right vision of God. And that's what needs to be fixed. Which brings us to the last thing. That only Jesus Christ is the only sinless one. That the Lord Jesus Christ is the only sinless one. In our sinfulness, where do we go? That we realize how filthy and wicked and nasty we are. Where do we go to fix this? We looked at God and we saw God and we realized how filthy and nasty we are. Then we go to the sinless one. Remember that Jesus Christ is the only sinless one. It means when he was born, he was not a sinner. He did not lie to his mom when he was a little child. He did not steal cookies from the cookie jar when he was a little child. He did not try to get away with rebellion when he was a teenager. He was the only perfect one. And because he was the only sinless one, he is able to forgive us of our sins. To cleanse us because he is the only righteous one. That's who we have. We go to him for cleansing. We run to him for mercy because of him being the sinless one. Aren't you glad that God has given us that way of escape? That we could run to Jesus Christ, that when we realize that we're sinners and that we're sinful and that we're dirty and filthy and nasty, 
we could go to Jesus and he could cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But it begins with this. It begins with understanding all sin is against God. How do we understand that? We realize that God is holy. We realize that it's him. He, we have to keep a good vision of God. When we have a good vision of God, when we do mess up, we understand that God's the one who could forgive us. He could wash us clean. We have to run back to him. This is such an important lesson because as long as people are not looking to God, they're not going to be sensitive to their sin. This is such an important lesson because as long as they don't think that sin is against God, that, they are, that they're offending a holy, righteous God, then it's not going to be a big deal and they're not going to take care of it. But when you realize that when you sin, you lie to your teacher, that's against God. You hide things from your parents, that's against God. You cheat on your taxes. It's not against the government. It's against God. When you sin in your mind, it is against God. All sin is against God. But we have the Lord Jesus Christ, the sinless one, who's willing to forgive us of all of our sins. What a wonderful God that we have. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.